Hey there, Pounders. This is J.R. Wilco with today's Unnecessary Foolishness. It's episode 52 of the Superfluous Poppycock podcast. I've got Charlie Thaddeus with me. We are halfway through the season. The Spurs have played 41 games, so it's probably a good idea for us to do a little mid-season review and talk about the interesting things that have come about in the first half of the season. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing pretty great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Halfway through the season, we're at the midway pole, and I'm seeing things that I wasn't sure I would ever see while Greg Popovich was coach of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm seeing LaMarcus Aldridge playing with four smalls at times. I'm seeing him space the floor. I'm seeing I'm seeing him set a pick and then run to the three-point line. And I'm seeing entire possessions where he's sitting on the three-point line waiting to get the ball sometimes. I'm I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded. It's, I'm, I'm, it's great. I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to pinch me. Right. <laughs> Wake me up and and tell me it's it's all just a just a dream. What do you think about this? It's it's weird because we've been we've been asking for it for a long time. I feel like we spent the first couple months of the season asking for this version of the Spurs to uh, rear its head, and it it kind of felt like we were just shouting at the heavens uh, in vain for a lot of it. And now it's now it's here, and everyone's kind of panicking. And what do we do? Are we happy? Are we excited? Are, <laughs> do we are we just confused? Um, it's fun. I I. I will admit that for the first couple months of the season, this was the first time in a while where it, it genuinely wasn't fun to, uh, you know, log in for the uh, log in for the game every once in a while. Um, it's, it's usually such a such a thing for, of joy for me all the time. And uh, until recently, it, it had been a little bit of a chore. And when the Spurs are seeming to play to their potential a little bit more, um, play in a more exciting, modern way. Uh, it's it's exciting. Again, I, I barely know what to do with myself. <laughs> I hated when everybody always talked about the Spurs style being boring because to me, anything that happens with a high enough degree of excellence, anything that happens with with more victories than any other team, anything that ends in championship seasons – deserves study in order to understand how it happens. Right. And so, and so to me, anyone who talked about the Spurs being boring was essentially saying, Hey, I'm not, I'm not a student of the game. Hey, I'm not interested in learning more, etc." And, and this is, this kind of goes for, Oh, the Spurs are playing the old style basketball or whatever. I was like, who cares? They're winning games when they didn't win games though. And it was available for them to play in such a way. It was frustrating because Pop can be as eccentric as he wants. He can <laughs> he can walk up to every camera and give it the middle finger for all I care, right? Just keep right. on winning. Right? I wish he as... would, honestly. <laughs> he can he can make a mockery of of uh, post game pressers, and and he can make his availability. 30 seconds after the game is over and jet out of there before the press can actually show up because they didn't get there in time. You can do all of that stuff. He can, he can dodge questions. He can, he can uh, make jokes 
at the media's expense about aren't you guys going to ask any questions and then not answer the questions they do ask and then look at them and go any more you can do it all as long as the team wins yeah and then when the team doesn't win and then when there are legitimate hey i wonder why these things aren't happening and he doesn't answer them then it starts to look like he wants to have his cake and eat it too and i i don't know a circumstance where you, where you get to do that and so the fact that he's doing it now and the press wants to ask him questions about it and he's dodging it it's like i it 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 almost seems like a little orwellian right a little 1984 going on here where where we go back and look and all of the express news stories have changed and they always played this way, even though we seem to remember them not having played this way. <laughs> and we go to the DVRs to check the games and like, no, look, they've always been shooting this many threes. Oh, that's so weird. I could I could have sworn they weren't. Yeah, yeah you want to you almost want to. I think that we're also inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt because he has been so great. And it's almost like you want to just go ahead and say like yeah like this was the plan all the time we're going to rope a dope the rest of the league into thinking we're into thinking we're bad and then secretly we've been working on threes this whole time behind your back <laughs> of course it was part of the plan and you you want to believe that almost uh just <sighs> because it, it sounds more fun but uh man, man you're, yeah. you're making me think of rocky too right yeah right don't be a southpaw fight like a right-hander and then at the in the in the later rounds switch go back to southpaw and and shock the world like no i'm not gonna i'm not a gimmick <laughs> mick i'm not gonna do it right it's, it's that was that was an excellent excellent rocky impression oh, are you kidding i i i grew up uh i was a like in elementary school when rock the first rocky came out so i mean i adrian Anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's it, my Yoda is even better. My Kermit the Frog is right there, but uh, but I'm, I'll put my I'll put my Rocky up against. Uh, well, I won't put it up against anybody. Shoot, we'll have to, we'll have to work on coaxing that out of you uh, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so, what of all of the? Yeah, like you've got a, an entire half season to pick from. What's the first thing that you? want to point out as being like head scratching or cool or just awesome or what do you want to talk about first well um i mean since you you've so obviously stolen my thunder about the most exciting thing about the spurs uh <laughs> being that they are playing better um the most interesting thing i really think about the spurs is that this season has regardless of how they've been playing recently this season is about the future this season is about this franchise being at a crossroads and um there's a lot of decisions on the horizon for this uh, for this whole franchise, and I think that this most recent stretch of play, where they've been playing in a different style, um, while Marcus is doing things that we didn't know if he was capable of or wanted to do, um, this is all new information to add to the pile of um, I don't know, not the pile, but of us trying to figure out like where this where this team is going and where we're headed. Um I I think that we've maybe all had moments over the first couple months where we've been like we got to burn it all down. We we need to trade everybody. This is yeah. not working. I hate this. And you know and then you see them play like this for the last 2 weeks and I you almost start to think like this is workable. This is sustainable. I mean, you know, if, you know, if DeMar if DeMar DeRozan is going to play 
the way he's been playing, if Marcus Aldridge is going to stretch himself, um, that's something you can build around. That's something you can, that's the type of environment and franchise that you want to bring young guys like Derek and DeJounte and Lonnie up in. You want to, I, I want them winning games. I want them seeing how to play like this. And I, I mm-hmm. want guys like DeMar and LaMarcus to be role models for them. You know, at, maybe three weeks ago, I would have been like, there's no way that we need to, that we need to attach our wagon to DeMar DeRozan long-term. That just doesn't make sense. But then he reels off this two-week stretch where he plays like an absolute monster. And you remember why, you remember how much you liked DeMar DeRozan as a person. And when you couple that with, how with well him playing, playing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you, you kind of start thinking, like, I don't, I don't want to be naive and I don't want to be a, a fool about it, but it does make you think like, you know, what are, what are the Spurs? Who, who do we get if we get rid of DeMar? What, you know, he's, he's a, he's a top player in the NBA. And when he, when he's playing like it, that's, I don't know. It's, it's something to think about. And it's something that we're going to have to just, you know, we don't have any decision-making ability, I guess, sitting here (laughs) uh, in front of the computer, but it's something that will be interesting to watch. Uh, down the stretches, you know, if is this for real? Is this just a blip? Is this a trend? Or is this something we can actually build on? Yeah. The Marcus stretching the floor and shooting lights out for for weeks from <laughs> from three point his his three point average right now forty three point seven percent. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. His overall field goal percentage is over fifty percent. He's he's uh <laughs> he's bagging a, a solid 19 points a game and and just drilling open threes like he's been doing it his entire career. Yeah. Like you could you could say Lamarcus unleashed uh at this point. I I I love watching him play like this because it seems to have it seems to be the same thing that unlocked Mars game. Suddenly Absolutely. there's suddenly there's room, and now Demar had had a longer streak than Michael Jordan did of scoring twenty points a game and shooting over fifty points a game. He just broke that on on Sunday. He had twenty points exactly and hit seven of sixteen. So one more of those had dropped, and that <laughs> that would have continued to fourteen. Anyway, he he had more of those games than. Than uh, than the Michael Jordan did in a row, so fantastic, right? I, mean, I was laughing yeah. about that streak. Uh, how everyone's been talking about it. Um, that it's such a funny streak to kind of keep track of because it's it's kind of hard to say, and it's hard. It's not. There's no easy thing like the twenty plus points with three plus assists, shooting fifty percent from the floor. Um, well, it was fifty two for a while. Remember that? Sure. It's like okay, it, let's it was just pick. It was funny. It, it was kind of like it felt like we were saying like he's the first player born after the fall of the Berlin Wall to hit at least forty consecutive shots from the elbow while maintaining a real plus minus over three. Like it was kind of like we we've got these. If we just make the circumstances just right, then Demar is better than Michael Jordan. Notice, recently. notice the way that notice the way that I I said it was very plain. It eventually boiled down to score twenty a game and shoot fifty percent from the floor or better and 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 mark demar did it and and he did it for 13 games and if if everyone could do it then more would right he's the he's the best among guards 
at that skill. Now, Wilt Chamberlain had like what, like 18 19. or 19, 20 games like that. Okay, whatever. Like how many of those sure. were dunks? Well, how many of DeMar's were dunks? But he's not a big. Regardless, right. he was a he was a small and he did it. So yeah. it's like how long can how long how long can Aldridge continue to sh- to stretch the floor? Right? Has has this has he proven to the league that they need to to pay attention to him so that the f- floor will stay stretched so that DeMar's game is unlocked so they can right. both continue to well, how interested are they in continuing indefinitely to play unsustainably well? Right. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, like as long as you tell you what, you know what, you guys both shoot 60% from the field and LaMarcus, you continue to, yeah. uh, to, to hit, to hit threes, hit 80% of your threes. And, uh, and you know, we'll keep you right. I mean, that's not, that's, right. that's, that's, that's logical. That's, that's, uh, it's not asking too much at all. The real and, test and is going to be, they were doing it. If they, yeah. The real test is going to be if they, when the when the regression inevitably happens, when a or a slump or anything, whether or not they're willing to stick with it, that's that's going to be the test. Because I fully expect Lamarcus to have a week or two stretch here where maybe he doesn't hit any threes, maybe he hits one a game, goes one for six from back there. That's going to happen. That happens to. Every, every that happens to way better shooters than Lamarcus Aldridge all the time, and whether or not he's willing to, you know, we talked last time uh, on this podcast about how it felt like a little bit like he was eating his vegetables, and <laughs> is he willing to, you know, stick with it and really recognize that the value of him being out there isn't necessarily him scoring more points; it's him being out there and opening up the floor and making more space for everybody. And does, you know, he's, his age, I think goes both ways in this argument. Like on the one hand, like, does he really want to like, like do this really sort of selfless thing towards the end of his career? Does he want to just be where he's comfortable, do things like that? Or is he at the end of his career? And he's like, I only have so many more seasons left to do something really Mm -hmm. special to be a part of a team that's, you know, making a run make you know being a contender i, I don't know it, these are all unanswered i i don't have any if i had answers i wouldn't be talking to you i'd be uh, doing something else but that's I insulting questions. i would I, mean, I would hope that you would still talk to me sure. if you had answers that's i'm i'm insulted sure but, sure sure i mean you talk about how the spurs are playing well they're playing better than they did at the beginning of the season when they were when they were losing eight games in a row we'll put it that way right 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 yeah, they and 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 they've risen from that all the way to being a 500 team since then. Since since they've yeah. broken the end of like November 22nd, I believe right the last day they they the day they broke that eight game losing streak. Since then, 500 team. Yeah, so that's better. But is that still something that you want to build around these guys? Yeah. This is these are questions that we really don't get to answer we just get to ask yeah i was laughing before before we got on this call uh that the last time that we talked these spurs were uh we were kind of feeling down about things sort of a little bit um bummed about you know i guess the spurs are going to make the playoffs whatever uh and they were sitting there in the eighth spot and then two weeks later everything feels like it's changed it's so exciting like we're winning we're doing all this stuff 
And I looked at the standings and we're actually now not in the eighth spot anymore. We're, <laughs> we're one and a half games. But somehow things are both better and worse. I, I, I don't know. But the team is more that, fun to watch now as they miss the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, maybe, then, maybe, that's, then maybe that's the dream. Maybe that's what, we're, what we've been looking for the whole time. Wow. I'd still like to watch wins, though. All right. Yeah. I'm going to switch switch it up. I want to talk about DeJounte Murray's game. Sure. He has a fadeaway now. Finally. He's, well, I wasn't asking <laughs> for him to have a fadeaway. I just wanted him to have a reliable shot. And he's he's kind of money from the elbows now. If you yeah. didn't already know, he's shooting from three-point range for the season, 31.3%, which is getting sneaking really close up on respectable. That's not embarrassing. He's sneaking up on respectable. He's he, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of the story of the Spurs season right there. That's what we're gonna call the book. Sneaking up on respectable. Last last pod was the last podcast we had uh uh too naturally buoyant to miss the playoffs. Sure. Now they're sneaking up on respectable. His his uh his his jumper looks pretty solid. His corner threes are are dropping fairly well. Uh, I still go oh 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 maybe not when he oh, decides yeah. to actually let it fly from three unless it's you know two seconds left in the in the twenty four yeah. second clock and he's just been tossed the ball by a, a twirling DeRozan who has you know doesn't want to take a poor shot right anyway yeah so that's i mean like take it absolutely he he's he's driving to the basket he's getting to the basket he's not finishing well around the basket but he's getting there this is this is our this is our point guard what do you want to say i think that it's it's been fun to uh it's been fun to watch him I i was realizing this the other day i think that it's really easy to get excited about lonnie walker right now because he's sort of the shiny new the shiny new thing that we didn't that we that we haven't had before, um, but it's easy to forget that at the beginning of the season we were we were all this was this was the Dejounte Murray year. This it was, was going to be Dejounte Murray season. Yeah, yeah, we were so excited to have he was going to be the game changer, and, and I think that that hasn't quite unfolded the way that we wanted it to. But I do think that when you really take a look at at how his game has progressed, um, I think he's learning how to be a, a really solid pro, and I think he's building out his game in ways that maybe aren't super exciting and flashy. Um, not flashy is the wrong way. They're not, no one's writing giant, giant pieces about how DeJounte Murray is changing the game. Um, but he's <laughs> by becoming, hitting his elbow jumper, by hitting his elbow jumper, but he's becoming, he's learning how to sort of, he's learning how to find his shot. He's learning how to mm-hmm. create base for himself. Um, he's so, so athletic and so quick. Um, I feel like the biggest thing I noticed with him is that he has this like crossover move that he does where he just mm-hmm. covers so much ground. You know, he'll get yes. the ball out in the corner, um, in the, like in a corner three spot, um, and he'll drive baseline and then quickly, quickly cut, cut in. And in one dribble, he's at the foul line in the paint. And then he'll go behind the back and one more dribble and he's back out on the wing and he'll hit this fatal. And, He's covered so much ground in two dribbles, and it makes he maybe just did a triangle, but his defender's doing a 
doing a tornado and it's <laughs> great and it, he covers it, he's learning yeah of ground he covers a ton of ground with yeah. his and it's, with his it's cool to see him kind stuff. of develop his his tool set a little bit um and learn how to you know maybe do things without the ball in his hands to start the possession because you know demar is starting the he's demar starts a lot of the possessions now he brings the ball up the court mm-hmm. he gets the offense in motion which causes Dejounte to sort of have to hang out on the wing hang out in the corner and i don't think he's ever really had to do that maybe ever in his life you know he's probably always been the ball handler always been the focal point of things um, on teams. Well, his, on. his decision making is still questionable. He still sure. misses guys open. Yeah. It did, did it at the end of 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 the of the Hawks game? Uh, did it or did it at the end of the of Sunday's game? Yeah. Uh, th- there's there's plenty of, of things that he misses. You want him to give that ball up and, and let DeMar, oh, that was a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, assist that DeMar had uh, on Sunday. You barely crossed half court and he tossed it. LaMarcus had sealed his man and just dunked. It was yeah. beautiful. You, you don't see, you don't see DJ making that play. But yeah. he is coming along, and I think something that a lot of, that we forget is that we're not seeing Dejounte. We're not seeing Dejounte at his best right now. We're not seeing him even as as well as his skills have currently developed, because yeah. he's still in the first year after that ACL. And everybody says you don't see who people are until year two. Right. So we're still, we're still every bit of judgment that he gets on. He can't this, he won't that aside from or about his body. And really it's hard to separate the body, right? right. It kind of carries around the brain, but his body is not what it's capable of. Cause it's still recovering. Yeah. He, I was going to, I was going to ask you this. Do you think that he looks sometimes like, he's sort of modeling his game after DeMar a little bit. I feel like I've noticed him doing this a little bit more, like this little fadeaway he's doing this Mm -hmm. and kind of the way that he's, he's not settling for jumpers, I don't think, but he's looking for shots in parts of the floor that I feel like DeMar looks for his shot a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, I like it, I guess, but (laughs) it's sort of, it makes me nervous. Like I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's, what I want from Deshante Murray. It's like but... you can see Pop walking out onto the court and seeing DJ practicing one of Demar's moves and going, "Hey, buddy, uh, man, I love you. Uh, do you mind holding on just a minute and wheeling out a TV and a VCR? Yes, yes, the Spurs would use VCRs and popping in, you know, something from Tony Parker or something from Manu Ginobili and go, you might want to emulate these guys. I don't yeah. know." I, I'm just I'm 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 just this old guy, right? <laughs> but I but I hear you. Is that real, mm, champ? Is that really what you want to do? Yeah. Uh, be, because, <laughs> but I constantly see, uh, I see Timmy's moves. I see Manu's moves. I see things Tony does. These these things have become corporate knowledge, and and that's the way that's the way that the team trains itself. It trains the trains the the new guard. Is is yeah. bringing guys is bring guys in and training them in the same way that allowed Tim and Manu and Tony to be who they were, and that's 
it, it's it's part of the DNA of the squad. I can't expect that they would 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 stop doing that. Uh, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about Derek White and Dejounte Murray and Lonnie Walker the fourth. Hey there, Pounders! Thanks for sticking with us. This is Jr. Wilco. Got Charlie Thaddeus here with me, and Charlie, I want to want to give you a little theory I have here about the current Spurs. I call it my superhero and alter ego theory. Uh, it actually has to do with Derek White and Dejounte Murray. I'm I'm not going to say who's the superhero, who's the alter ego. I couldn't care less. But you know, you never see Superman. And Clark Kent at the same place, same time. Never see Batman and Bruce Wayne. And Derek White and DeJounte Murray just never play ball uh, at the same time. And I want you to explain that to me. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I really wish that when you uh, lead with something, like I have a superhero theory about the Spurs, that it was a little more... uh... A little more exciting than that. Um, hey, hey, this is the 2019-2020 Spurs, man. I can only uh, work with what we've got. That's true. Um, I think that I wish that there was a more exciting reason other than, you know, I. you look at, at the roster and even with the Spurs stretching the floor more and, you, you know, having LaMarcus out there and kind of playing a little bit more small ball, I think it's really difficult still with, with the set of skills on guys like uh, like Derek and Dejounte mm-hmm. to play with Demar Derozan out there, and we still need Demar Derozan starting and playing the minutes that he's playing. And so, you know, you start looking at like I'm trying to think like Demar Demar's playing over thirty, almost over thirty minutes a game every game, right? That, that's I've thought I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but he's still playing most yeah, of the game. He's averaging he's, thirty-four minutes a game. Sure. So, <clears throat> so if he's on the floor thirty-four minutes a game, that leaves you know not a ton of time where uh, where Dejounte and Derek can have to like share the floor, and you know with the way that like the way that the starters work, the way that the way that he's probably still managing Dejounte's minutes a little bit, you know, I, I think it's just hard to find time for it. And I think that Pop still really likes having Derek come off the bench and in that, in the honorary Monty role of, of being a game changer and coming in and saying, you know, Derek, go do something, change the narrative, get in there and create some havoc. Yeah. You know, that I, I wish that there was a better solution. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there is but I, I think that as long as DeMar DeRozan is playing the minutes that he's playing, I think it's just hard to... I, I don't think that having the three of them on, on the floor at the same time works still. I think they all overlap just a little bit too much. <clears throat> I feel like a, a an elementary school kid in the cafeteria when the pizza machine is... Or when they ran out of pizza or something, I'm banging my my fork and my spoon on the table and chanting, I want what I want, right? I want to see <laughs> Derek White. I want to see DeJounte Murray. I want to see Lonnie Walker. I want to see those guys playing together. Yeah. And and I'm not going to stop banging my spoon and my fork on the table until until I get what I want. And I'm 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 at this point I'm I'm just assuming I'll be banging on the table until 
the next season or two. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it's so thrilling when you do see, when you do see some of the young guys kind of link up. Uh, I think that there was a, there was a couple plays today where Derek and Lonnie had a, had a fun couple exchanges that led to points and you can, you can almost like peek into the future when that happens. And I think that's why it's so intoxicating to see it and you want it more. You're like, I, w- I want it now. I would like for, I would like for our young guys to be the guys, not no longer the young guys. They're just the guys. I want that now. Um, I, I get why that's, <laughs> I, I, sh- I share that. I, I think we all probably want that. Um, but you know, it's hard to argue, not even argue. I think we're all aware of what, of what those guys need, what all of our, I don't know, uh, when Demar's on the floor, you kind of have to have, you have to fit the pieces around that. He's such a big oblong piece of the puzzle that you have to, you have to fit around him and Lamarcus too. And so, those guys I think are good in that they are malleable and they can go in different places. But it probably doesn't. That's not quite as satisfying as as getting your pizza when you want it. I want my pizza and I want it now. Here's what. Here's something else I want to do. I want to read from your from your post, what we learned from the Spurs loss to the Hawks. You're speaking about Lonnie Walker, not, not playing or being pulled from the game after, you know, doing a basketball thing, (laughs) doing a basketball, like, uh, (laughs) like fouling or, you know, being human. And, and not getting every defensive rotation right. You said, I know this is probably one of those coaching moves that probably pays off down the line when Lonnie is going to be a better, smarter player because of the lessons he was learning in a relatively meaningless regular season game. But that's also not going to stop me from going outside and shouting into a paper bag about it for a little bit. I just want to give you the opportunity now to pull out your paper bag and we can shout together about the fact that it really seems as if other players are being judged by a different metric and allowed to play for longer than Lonnie. And it's uncomfortable. And even if Pop knows best right now, I just feel like screaming about into a paper bag about it. <laughs> I think that that sequence of events was particularly frustrating because of how, especially because... We lost that game um, because he was playing fantastic. He was, at and that he point. came he in. Yeah, he came in and rolled hot. off. He was he rolled white off hot. Like nine points, and it it was like, yes, this is this is the Lonnie Walker we want. This is what, and and it's annoying hot, because you can hot. just yeah, you can do the you can do the math in your head where you're like, I know that it's almost more important to punish him when he's playing well, so that the lessons st- like if it's frustrating to us, it's probably triply frustrating to Lonnie. Um, and that's why you do it. I, I get it. I understand it. And I just would also have really liked to win that Hawks game. And I think that Lonnie Walker would have, would have helped. Um, it would have been so nice to beat one of the worst teams in the East. Wouldn't it? It's one, it's one of those things that you just would really like to do as a professional basketball. We're like, we're like two and seven against the bottom three or four teams in the East this season. It makes and, it makes and we, no sense. We take out we take out we take the Miami Heat. We take out the 
the the Celtics on their home court would take out the, the Bucks on in in San Antonio, and then we drop games like that, and 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 pops over there seeming to to make his point, yeah, and and at the same time cut off his nose to spite his face. Well, and I don't. It, it's hard for me to go back. Uh, uh, 20 years on this, but uh, I don't remember what it was like when Tony Parker was a rookie or when, like, I, I wasn't I wasn't reading the blogs in the year 2000 about Tony <laughs> Parker. Um, he pulled Tony Parker remember. in playoff games so Speedy yeah. Claxton could finish. For sure, and I don't remember if it was frustrating then or if it was not frustrating because the Spurs were maybe being a little more, like, it, it made more sense to have Speedy Claxton at the time because... That was that was giving this. I don't. It's not exactly a great parallel, but I do think we we spend a lot of time lionizing that phase of Tony Parker's development when Pop was being borderline rude to Tony Parker. Like everyone talks about. It. Tim talks about it. Monty talks about it. Tony talks about it. And all these golden retrospectives of the prime Spurs years. Everyone talks about how Pop was a jerk to Tony constantly. Because it, because he recognized that that was the way to coach him, and that was the way to make him better. And I get that, and I, I love that and respect that. And you can see him sort of when you talk about it. Seems like the rules are different from Lonnie. I think that Pop does do like he he recognizes what people need, and I think it's less satisfying now for again because we're we're all reading the blogs now. We all we're all paying more attention now and can maybe be more vocal about it. Uh, we don't we don't have to yell in our paper bags. We can yell on the internet, uh, <laughs> and uh, and also because the Spurs aren't as good. And so the idea of teaching a lesson and maybe losing a game, it that didn't feel bad when we were you know the Tim Duncan Spurs and we could make those games up later. These games feel more valuable, and so you know we taught Lonnie Walker a lesson, but also we dropped a game behind the Grizzlies. That it's hard to know whether or not that payoff is. It's hard to see the future when you're when the present feels a little bit more painful. I think. Well, this like you you said it earlier. This season is about the future. This season right. is not about this season. Don't use my words that, against me. That, <laughs> well, I set you up, and now I'm punishing you. <laughs> oh no, I'm just like Pop. I'm oh, just no. like I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it's it's probably the right there, decision, but there are annoying. more fun things we could talk about. Yeah, yeah, you know what I want to talk about? Hit me. I want to talk about my favorite Tim Duncan outfit of the season. the The trend that's lighting up the NBA universe: Tim Duncan's fashion. I'm telling you. December 26, 2019, in Dallas, playing the Mavs. Do you remember? Of course. Do you know his, what I'm talking about? His his raspberry jacket. It was beautiful. The raspberry jacket. Oh, my goodness. But it wasn't just the raspberry jacket. He actually wore a dress shirt. Do you remember what color it was? Uh, not off the top of my head. Hit me. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost disappointed with you. I don't know what to wow. say. Do you do you remember what pant he he paired the jacket with? Um, I don't hit me. I'm this is I'm, I'm you're, you're blowing up my my fashion beat. 
right now. <laughs> I'm not blowing you up. It was so. It, it to my eye, this looks like a like like a, a light blue gray shirt. He paired the raspberry jacket with, and the pant is like a like a charcoal gray to a to, to a, a slight navy tint. And unfortunately, he didn't wear my favorite shoe with it. He went he went with the black dress. He didn't have those those nice little like those like little little tan numbers that he wore with the little you know uh, panel you know, off color panel on the back. But uh, man, that's that is my favorite outfit. My, my favorite Tim Duncan fit of <laughs> of the season. Do do you put that one up next to the? Uh, Next to the blue on blue uh, that he that he wore earlier this week, I think that Tim Duncan looks great in reds, and I think that you're you are correct in that. That's probably that was his biggest stretch, probably, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I want more of um, from him. He he wore blue on blue uh, the other night, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it felt fun. It felt colorful. It felt it felt like the Tim Duncan that we. Uh, that we all know and love and want to see more of. Um, fun yet so I, formal, fun maybe yet formal. even a little whimsical and yet and and yet very reserved too. It was it was it was a right. blast. Yeah, I think I think my actual favorite outfit that he wore was a couple months ago, where he he had like a a deep green jacket and then uh, mm. sort of a a green like a light green t shirt under it. it. It was one of those like nice like mock turtle uh t-shirts and he kind of had his he had his dreads sort of pulled back in a in a mm-hmm. ponytail i guess the the hairstyle that he wears when he's like doing his warm-ups with the uh with the team but he kept it right. for the game and he looked like an assassin or something it was it was amazing it was, <laughs> it was like a I don't know, it was it was something you don't you don't you don't expect from tim and I, that's that's what we're really looking for so every single one of the images that we have that we post with the stories that we publish to Pounding the Rock uh, is accompanied by uh, by a little blurb about that picture. And if it's a if it's a picture of uh, a player on the court doing basketball related things, it will say something like uh, December thirty first, twenty nineteen, San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio Spurs guard DeMar DeRozan takes a shot uh, against you know Luka Doncic right during right. the quarter of you know at the AT&T Center that kind of thing <clears throat> and unfortunately when we talk like this I want to look at this background and and I expect to see Tim Duncan wears a raspberry jacket with a Tim light Duncan steps blue steps gray. out in a raspberry black. <laughs> Sports a raspberry jacket. I mean, I I I found myself because I regularly use this to see okay who's who else is in the shot. Like, what is that number? Do I have to look it up? No, it's going to be there in the background. It's going to say even though I can't see the jersey number, I know who was defending that person on that play. And I just kind of expected, like, well, <laughs> found myself looking, well, what what does the background say about the color of, of Tim yeah, Duncan's Tell me more. Where is, who is he wearing? What is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> is, I think, is it, is I, I, I think Getty Images needs to, 
Getty Images needs to get at me. I'm happy to do this work. I'm, <laughs> I'm very affordable. Uh, if they want to, if they want to really improve their product, I'm here. I'm available. Tim Duncan steps out. Yeah, I love that so much. Oh my god! All right. So, any any anything left over? If we if we cleared our plates here on the on the on the mid season, anything else you want to say before we 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 lean in, lean into our superfluous poppycock for the day? You know. I think that I think that we covered it. The Spurs are weird, and they're getting weirder, and I love it. <laughs> I, I would love to say the Spurs are good and they're getting better, but the Spurs were <laughs> bad, and they're getting all the way to fifty percent. They're they're a five hundred ball club. They're sneaking up on respectable, and they're Sneak. taking aim at adequate. Sure, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a journey. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. Do you do you want to hear my superfluous poppycock for this week? I do always. All right, all right. I think that as as much as I've been watching the NBA, and as frustrating as it is to watch teams go for rebounds instead of boxing out, I think there's a thing that's that's similar to the way that players refuse to try to shoot free throws, like. Like Rick Barry, they use the use the underhand, use the Grady shot. It's just not cool enough. Shaq, Shaq apparently uh, shot the Granny shot, could shoot at a higher percentage, but refused to do it. Uh, whether that's a urban legend or not, I think I, he's confirmed. I, I that. get it. Print I get legend. it. I get it. It looks dorky, but boxing out is a basketball move. And yet yeah. I think that there's this macho thing. No, I'm going to jump for the rebound instead because the you, you're taught to rebound and box out in junior high. And you've got NBA guys that I, I that have to be drilled on this kind of stuff. Pop's got to be getting in their faces over it. And yet they continually watch the shot. They continually look at the boards. They continually jump for it and, and then guys come sneaking in and, and getting rebounds. And I think that it, I think that there's something unnecessarily foolish about a mindset, about a culture of the NBA surrounding box outs. And I will not rest until well, no, I'll completely rest. I'm gonna go to sleep tonight. <laughs> Very tired. Uh, but I but I will I will continue to metaphorically pound my spoon and fork on the on the cafeteria table until I get my macaroni and cheese. This is going to be the macaroni and cheese. I want to know about these box outs. I want to know is there is there like some weird kind of no, I don't want a box out. That's not what we do here in the NBA. There's something I to do that. think there's something like there's very little incentive to uh I don't know. It feels like we need to build in box out and sentence. It doesn't look cool to box <laughs> out, I don't think. And you know, like there's the the play in the Miami game uh, on Sunday where uh, poor Jacob Podol got killed by Derek Jones Jr. And mm. the person who didn't box out was Marco. And no one's talking about Marco right now. Everyone's talking about how poor poor Jacob got just destroyed and he got Marco got ruthlessly obliterated yeah, from so. the face of the planet. Is what happened. And 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 it wasn't over the back. It's the weirdest thing. Apparently, if you're going to dunk, you can smash into whomever you want and and violate it, their right to stand where they're standing and their right to 
get a rebound from where they are. Like over the back doesn't exist if you're skying through the air, grabbing the ball and and smashing down on someone's body. Apparently, it it like the 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 rules, <laughs> the Look, rules I of agree. the space that you own disappear. I agree with you on ninety nine percent of this, but I I have to uh, I have to admit that I think if something looks cool, that is that does override any and all rules. You and I are never ever <laughs> going to agree on this. I still say. Vince Carter pushed off that French dude's shoulder to get over him. And wow. that's an offensive foul. Wow. It's an offensive foul. It was a freaking cool move, but he pushed off that dude's shoulder. He did. I've never heard anyone have the take that was anti Vince Carter jumping over a seven foot tall guy. That's <laughs> I stay off the internet I wish for a couple I still days. Remembered that French dude's name. If I could have dropped that in the middle of this, I, probably, I, might I mean, just, I, he I loses just name retired. privileges when he gets dunked when he gets dunked over in the Olympics. I'm sorry, that's he knew he knew the risk. <laughs> I'm sorry, you have no more name. You knew the risks coming in. You <laughs> knew how how high Vince Carter could jump, and you yet and yet you chose to stand in in front of him. From now on, you will be that French dude that Vince Carter pushed off his shoulder. There exactly. you go. Well, that is it for this episode of Superfluous Poppycock Pounders. Until next time, keep safe and let it fly. <laughs> <laughs>